Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, would you agree that Slack is probably one of the best tech names out there? I mean, where else can you say I'm slacking? Actually, I kind of like Quibi. I think Quibi is pretty high up there. That's fair. Today's show, we're talking about Slack, an asynchronous business communication platform. Yeah, so to describe what Slack is, I think we can just go right to what Slack describes um, themselves as. Uh, And to quote them, uh, Slack is a messaging app for business that connects people to the information that they need. So really succinct, it's essentially a instant messaging service for companies to use and also just everyday people to use to communicate with their different groups. Slack is really interesting. And Jeff, I think you brought this up when we were talking about this before, where it works across pretty much every platform you need to be on. It works on mobile devices, both Android and iPhone. There's a web browser of Slack. There's also PC and Mac versions. And then when I was digging into this, there's also a Linux version of the app. So if you are one of those, you know, 2% of computer (laughs) users, users. (laughs) exactly, that are somewhere in a deep, deep in a lab using Linux, you too can use Slack. (laughs) Um, So how does Slack work? So Slack works by segmenting all of these messages into different buckets. So you have channels, which is the interesting, they, they use hashtags to separate all these channels. So when you start off a Slack account, you get some basic channels like hashtag announcements, hashtag random, hashtag uh, general. So announcements is pretty self-explanatory. So any general announcement meetings, or sorry, general announcements you can put into that channel. Random is just always fun where it's memes memes and bold people just posting bold things aka me just posting weird memes <laughs> so yes <laughs> it should just be called memes there's also threads so if you respond if you reply to one of these specific messages you can keep that within the conversation so let's say jeff posts this really funny meme i can reply via thread and say jeff this was really cool and then someone else can say well actually i didn't like the technical accuracy of that meme and you can contain <laughs> all of that meme conversation into one thread so it's not taking up more of the major part of the screen. Uh, and then lastly, there's also direct messages. So if you need to, you know, directly contact someone and say, hey, like, this is what's going on today, it's bit you can directly message them. According to Slack, Slack actually reduces emails by 32% and reduces meetings by 27%. I'd love to see how that's measured, but I can definitely see how that is true. Uh, because one of the huge features of Slack is this very well performing or high performing search function. So I find it very easy to just type in like a keyword and say, oh, like when was I talking to like the engineering team? Like, let me like type in, you know, blah, 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 whatever I'm looking for. And I can generally find that conversation and and have that. And also Slack also saves files for you, at least with the premium version. So with that said, how does Slack make money? Slack is a freemium model. So uh, Slack offers a freemium, sorry, a free to use version of Slack. Um, but Slack primarily makes money based off of subscriptions. So these are the monthly plans that companies subscribe to. There's four different plans that Slack offers. There's the free, there's pro, there's business plus and enterprise grid. With the free version, you get all of the functionality of Slack, but it's limited to 10,000 messages. So if you are, you know, just two people like Jeff and I have a Slack and I don't think we're ever going to use up the 10,000 messages, um, but as it starts growing, your message rates are going to grow exponentially and you're going to need to start to buy more storage, which is when you would go to the pro for about $6.70 a month. And then going further off that, you would go to Business Plus where you get more 
enterprise level support of to help you keep your business running and have that uptown uptime rather. And then lastly, there's enterprise grid where you're fully um, integrated into your company's backend um, and using custom functionality and a bunch of more features. And that actually Slack actually didn't offer a price on that um, service. You actually had to contact the sales team. So I'm not quite sure how much that costs. So that's that's Slack in a nutshell. There's definitely a couple other features that you can use like integrating different apps with Slack. So for example, there's like Giphy is I think my favorite one. So you can actually type in backslash and then Giphy and a, a word and it will random, randomly send a GIF based off of that single single word. There's also more useful from a professional perspective like uh, poll. So if you want to say, hey, like what did we think of this color, red, white, or blue? You could create that poll and get your coworkers quick feedback. So yeah, that, that's that's Slack in a nutshell. Yeah, nice. I think um, Slack was first introduced to me by you, actually, Mike, when we were at Autodesk. And I remember thinking, ah, I don't want to use another messaging platform. And like, why would I try something else? But usually what happens with Slack is once you kind of adopt it, you can't really see yourself living without it. And you do use it constantly. I'm interested in that number that you threw out there, which is reducing emails by 32% and then meetings by 27%. I definitely agree with the email sentiment. My company now uses Slack and we almost never email, which is fantastic. Meetings, so I'm a little... 27% seems reasonable. I think there's a time and a place for asynchronous and a time and a place for synchronous. You know, some things are just easier to talk about in person. So it's good to have a mix of the two. But some things don't require in-person at the time of need conversation. So sometimes you can utilize some combination of both. Yeah, and it's funny because I think I've introduced like four different organizations to Slack, or I've been part of an organization that's onboarded to Slack <laughs> at Autodesk. I introduced that because we were, Jeff and I were working with a bunch of different students across mm-hmm. different, from different universities. So we wanted a way for our, our team specifically to be able to engage with this entire student body. And it was probably the best place to do it. So we started a Slack and also at my, my, my grad school at University of Rochester, I also just raved about Slack and actually convinced them to, I would like my class was the trial year. And then they eventually switched over from WhatsApp to a paid version of Slack. And then at my current company, we just switched over to, to Slack full time. I had nothing to do with that, but I will gladly <laughs> take take some credit for that. Yeah, the grassroots movement, for sure. I definitely have introduced Slack to a lot of my friend groups as well. A couple side project groups. It's just really really easy to talk about things, keep history of everything, be able to search for previous messages and files, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I definitely agree. I have converted a lot of my friend groups over to Slack, um, some side project groups over to Slack, like this podcast, things like that. And it's just great. You can keep everything in one place. Everything's topical. Channels are great for topics. Threads are great for conversations. Yeah, it's just kind of everything I need from, from a communications tool. So let's jump into the history of the product. So Slack was actually founded by a guy named Stuart Butterfield. He was actually previously the founder of Flickr, but Slack was founded on accident. And I'll jump into that in a second. His company, Tiny Spec, was working on a game called Glitch, which was an MMORPG. And it was at that time at Tiny Spec that they actually needed an internal tool to better manage their communication style. Email just wasn't cutting it. Uh, existing tools that were out there wasn't cutting it. So they built something exactly for them. TinySpec raised money from uh, folks like Excel Partners and Andreessen Horowitz for the game. Uh, And in 2011, they actually launched Glitch uh, to beta, but it closed really quickly afterwards in 2012 because there just wasn't enough money to self-sustain. In an interview with Guy Raz on the podcast, How It's Made, 
Butterfield was talking about how difficult it was to actually shut down the game and the company because people were, you know, kind of leaving their lives to join the company. I think they mentioned in the podcast that some of the employees had just started families. So it was really hard to like turn around and let go of some people that were working on the game. And it was just really gut-wrenching for him as a founder of a, of a company and people putting trust in him. Shortly after, in 2013, TinySpec started working on and launching Slack, which was then their internal communication tool, but then they productized it and were thinking about developing that in and of its own. Uh, Slack actually stands for Searchable Log of All Communication and Knowledge, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, that's wild. I had I had no idea that Slack was actually an acronym. It makes me question everything. Like, what does Wiki yeah. actually stand for? Yeah, exactly. It is a really cool name. It's kind of a verb in and of itself. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a great title or a great name for a product. And yeah, it actually does mean something. Within 24 hours of launch, 8,000 customers actually signed up for Slack. So I think that's fantastic. Obviously, they had a lot more time to work on the product because they actually built this while they were building out Glitch. So it wasn't just that they were, you know, building it out in 2013 only. Slack reached 1 billion valuation within eight months after launch. And what's interesting about this is that they didn't spend a single penny on traditional advertising, nor did they hire a chief marketing officer. And I think that's a testimony to the grassroots movement that Slack did uh, to get people to use a product, love it, and then tell all their friends about it. I think you and I you know, just talked about how we brought other friend groups, other projects to use Slack. And we convinced them just by personal testimony and like personal experience with with the tool. Yeah, totally. And and that's like an interesting like phrase, like one of like the senior level folks that I work with, she always says, you should build marketing into the product. And mm-hmm. I think Slack is kind of a perfect example of that. I mean, yeah. granted, it is a communication platform, but the way that you onboard to Slack, like you have to like sign in via your email and like you have to add other people on. And I think it's just this, it's a bit of a flywheel where like once it's once it solves your pain point of communicating with people effectively, you really want others to, to use it. So you're not, you know, switching back and forth between email or some other communication platform. Yeah, for sure. I think the hardest part about Slack is like getting people into the funnel. And once people have used Slack, I very commonly see people tell other people about Slack. Like one of my friends that works on All Rise, the board game that we kickstarted, he brought his work into Slack. My wife, when I introduced her to Slack via our friend group, converting them into Slack, she started to bring Slack into her workplace and they're thinking about paying for uh, a license as well. So yeah, it is just like people bringing other people into Slack and then over time, other people using Slack and understanding the benefits of being all in one platform. Well, as they say, once you go Slack, you don't go back. So. Oh, God. In 2015, Slack reached 1 million daily active users, which was 8x by 2018. So by 2018, they had reached 8 million daily active users, which is wow. crazy. In 2019, Slack actually IPO to the tune of $19.5 billion. Um, unfortunately, shortly after was COVID-19 in 2020. And ironically, other remote-based work companies like Zoom were having record-breaking years, and they had a lot of success. But Slack wasn't having the same level of, of success for some reason. And they're acquired shortly afterwards by Salesforce for $27.7 billion. So it was a very short run from IPO to acquisition. But you know now they're part of the Salesforce, I guess, ecosystem platform. And they basically raised another, I guess their, their valuation went up by another $8 billion within one year. Yeah. And that's a crazy amount of value creation from 2013 of like, the founder having to have conversations with his employees that just started families, as you mentioned, yeah, and letting them go all the way to a nineteen point five billion dollar IPO six years later. That's yeah, that's a wild ride. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In June of 2021, we're recording this in July. So pretty recently, hackers actually used Slack to break into EA Electronic Arts, which is a gaming development company. And they stole 780 gigabytes of data, including source code for FIFA 21. Uh, I thought this was really funny because I'm kind of <laughs> curious about like what was on their Slack and how they broke in. Maybe they're just like sharing files among Slack, which is a big no-no from, you know, a security and, you know, privacy and compliance perspective. Yeah, I'm just curious about like how they broke into the EA Slack and how they got this this information. Yeah, same. And, and I wonder if that's also the source code for FIFA 22, FIFA 23, Because <laughs> it's all the same. It's all the exactly. reskin. Somehow it's probably just, it's a, somehow it's the source code for Madden 23, 25 <laughs> as well. It's just all the same. Wouldn't that be uh, wild? Madden and FIFA using the same exact source code. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, I bet there's a lot of shared stuff amongst the two. Totally. Um, anecdotally, I once tweeted Stuart Butterfield, who, by the way, he's got an awesome Twitter handle. It's just at Stuart. I tweeted him about board games and he replied, I, I, th- I think I mentioned something about, hey, like you should try out this game called Scythe, which is by uh, a board game creator, Jamie Stagmeyer. And Stuart tweeted back and said, hey, I actually played Scythe last week. And I joked with him that, yeah, of course, like as a CEO, you would love a worker placement game. Jeff, you are famous. I am famous, but it, it's great. Like he's definitely in tune with his Twitter followers, very much, you know, in line with them. He seems just like a regular old guy, which is why I liked him. I think... I became a Stuart Butterfield fan after listening to the episode of how it's made with him on it. And he just seems like a really down to earth dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that especially like knowing that it was a board game, not a board game company, but a uh, a game company. I imagine that it gaming, someone that wants to build games attracts a certain type of persona. Totally makes sense with that persona. So we can talk about who Slack is for. So ultimately, as we described, Slack is a communication tool. So Really, Slack is for any organization that needs to communicate. So essentially, all organizations. So, yeah. But it's a flexible tool. So the the membership plans scale well across like those from all like all the previous ones from free all the way to enterprise that I described. But it also, you know, works all the way from smaller teams like you know Jeff and I talking about the podcast and sharing quick information back and forth during the week, uh, all the way up to like large scale organizations. So it's a very flexible tool, which which is interesting. In terms of the number of users Slack has, the last published data that I could find was from 2019, where Slack had over 12 million users. But the growth before that was outstanding, like just absolutely astounding. So they added 2 million users every year since 2015. So just massive growth, which shows why like the numbers behind of how you got from you know nothing in 2013 all the way to this $19.5 billion IPO in 2019. Um, but if you look at their revenue, it's about nine hundred million dollars in twenty twenty one, with a loss of two hundred ninety two million dollars. So it's really interesting. Usually, when you see numbers like that with ton of tons of revenue but still heavy losses, they're still in in mega growth mode. And I think that definitely holds true. Yeah, I, I think what's also interesting is to think about the ecosystem and other players in the space. So let's talk about the competitors. Obviously, Slack was really really great when they first kind of kicked off, but people caught up pretty quickly. I think the biggest competitor that we need to talk about here is Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams launched a very similar communications product that people will, you know, compare to Slack. I will say that Microsoft Teams isn't as great as as Slack, but the fact of the matter is they have a lot of people that are already on, I won't call them legacy subscriptions, but they're already using Office 365, which is a suite of products ranging from Outlook to Word, PowerPoint, Excel. Because all these companies already have Microsoft Office and Microsoft offered Teams as another, you know, carrot, they started to adopt Teams instead of having to pay for something else like Slack. 
Yeah, I think this is really interesting where in terms of like go-to-market strategy, like with Slack, it was all grassroots. You know, it's like folks like Jeff Mm -hmm. and I that just rave about the product that's like, hey, this is solving a huge need versus Microsoft is like once you get the product, (laughs) once you can essentially copy the product and granted, I've never used Teams, so I'm not actually sure um, how well it compares back and forth. But if you're basically able to, you know, take the best of Slack and copy that, (laughs) for lack of a better word, or replicate that, I don't know what's a a better word to use there (laughs) in, in, in the tech world. But as soon as you're able to, you know, build it, you can basically use your existing products and like sales as your channel. So instead of like, exactly. And you're just basically adding this extra functionality called Microsoft Teams to some organization that already buys Office 365 from you. They buy Outlook from you. They buy all sorts of other tools. So it just feels natural. And it's much easier to sell when you're selling to businesses to say, hey, like, let me just add on this extra feature as opposed to, you know, the just managing different partners and going to someone else and saying, oh, I have to, you know, now open up a P even like just the fact that you're a second business. I mean, you have to open up a second PO. There's a whole other like yeah. process that I'm sure is involved with it versus adding a little bit of extra money into a single account. So yeah. it definitely makes sense that Microsoft would get into this. And this this chart that you and I are both looking at on the screen is totally wild <laughs> to, to see the growth. Yeah, and Mike's alluding to this chart that we're looking at, which is Slack versus Microsoft Teams daily active use. Essentially, Slack had a slight head start. Remember, they grew roughly about 2 million users year over year. So in 2021, they're hovering at about eh, like 11 or 12 million users. Microsoft Teams started behind. They crossed over around the same time at 2018 as Slack. And in 2019, they started to get a lead. So remember, Slack IPOs in 2019 and 2020, they sell their company to Salesforce. And this might be a major reason why. In 2020, Slack had about maybe 11, 10 and a half, 11 million daily active users. And Microsoft Teams was hovering in the 70, 75 million daily active use area. They were already falling way behind. uh, And they probably realized that, hey, we're no longer going to be able to sustain this competitive advantage. And we need to kind of latch on to a big company and to be a part of their platform in order to maintain, sustain growth and keep the company alive. So I think that's probably a major reason why Slack ended up selling their company to Salesforce. Salesforce is utilized by a ton of organizations. Salesforce can then offer Slack as part of their suite and no longer will Slack have this hard time of like, you know, people having to buy Slack a la carte versus as part of this package. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like, if you look at the enterprise offering of like, workplace productivity tools and I'm, I'm talking about like your you know google docs versus microsoft mm-hmm. word versus like salesforce's quip it's almost like you have three or four options that you can go with and so if you're one of these big enterprise platforms like microsoft or salesforce or alphabet slash google or even apple you want to make sure you have a holistic you know, portfolio that the companies yeah. that you sell to can say, hey, let me just add on this XYZ service as opposed to just doing things a la carte and picking things like one at a time. So total, like the acquisition by uh, Salesforce makes total sense. And I'm curious how this growth is going to shake out in the long run. Like I'm curious to see if Slack will also start to see this hockey stick growth now that they're basically able to use the cross-selling of, of Salesforce <laughs> now that they're a Salesforce uh enterprise or sorry now that they're a salesforce entity yeah exactly that's that's some really good points yeah i think like as a small company it's really easy to say let's just get a couple seats or a couple licenses of this a couple licenses of that but if you're thinking about a very large company with you know tens of thousands of employees 
and you have to kind of leverage and negotiate these really large deals, it's really hard to just say, ah, I just want docs and I just want sheets. And then I want to use PowerPoint for, for my presentations. You can't really do that. It's not cost effective. So then companies are kind of stuck in this decision of like, well, which one of these packages has mostly what I want? And where can I get away with, you know, being less efficient in some of these areas versus just picking exactly what I want for every single uh, piece of software? Or we um, just go old school, Jeff, and like, let's start a company that uses just paper. We just send paper notes, like no <laughs> texting, nothing. Yeah, just old as new. Some competitors in the space include Cisco Jabber, which I've never personally used. Cisco is kind of a pretty old legacy company now. Workplace by Facebook, which I think I would hate to use. Like I don't, <laughs> I can't imagine using a communications platform by a social media company for work, but maybe I'm just trashing on it. Uh, <laughs> Quip, which Mike already alluded to, was acquired by Salesforce sometime before. I remember that Quip had a competitive product to Slack where they were really similar. And at the time I was like, oh, interesting. Salesforce acquired Quip. Are they going to compete with Slack? But I guess they didn't compete well enough, so they ended up having to buy Slack anyway. So, you know, they purchased what they wanted in the end. And then the last competitor here that's really funny to mention is Skype. Skype obviously had like a 10, 15 year head start from all the other, you know, communication tools and they couldn't get it done. Microsoft obviously owned Skype to begin with and they ended up building out Teams as a competitor to Slack. They didn't try to convert Skype over. They ended up just, you know, building out teams from from scratch anyways. And that ended up being the right play. Yeah. And and just thinking about like Skype, like I wonder if that's like a maybe we should do Skype as an episode, but maybe Skype is just a case of the product getting stuck into one dimension, you know, and, and not growing. Like Skype was just like video calling, voice calling. That that's the only thing it did. And it never like spread out into any other niches. So I I I'm curious like to do a postmortem on like what happened to Skype. Cool. Well, let's talk about our thoughts. So I'm very bullish on, on Slack. I really like the product. It definitely solves a huge pain point of mine of just, you know, I hate the back and forth over email. I hate mm-hmm. not being able to find things over email. Also, even just sending attachments and like chewing up storage there. So it's really nice to be able to have that on Slack and just also... Also be able to like notify, you know, people like especially if I'm in a large channel, let's say it's like yeah. me as like a product manager, I have like a huge cross-functional team. I can drop a message that says, hey, like at here, which only notifies people that have the app open. Does anyone know the answer to this question? And I can get a quick response as opposed to, you know, sending an email to like, you know, <laughs> 94 people or whatever it is. I can get a quick rapid fire answer or I also find it useful for sending large FYIs. Like I think that's where like sometimes I do email, sometimes I use Slack, but lately I've been doing more Slack where mm-hmm. I'll send like, hey, at channel, like here is like the latest like product status or like big announcement that we have. So everyone sees it, especially from working from home from the past year, year and a half, it's helped soften communication where sometimes with emails and like, it's very formal. It's like, dear sir, dear madam, not that I ever say that. It's like, this is the issue with like today's KPIs, period. Whereas Slack, it it feels like uh, I'm like an all lowercase typer when I type. I don't know, Jeff, I think you are too, except it's weird when you switch to mobile because I can tell because then you like start to have proper punctuation. But (laughs) I I like to just soften my communication by adding emojis, reacting to people and just typing all lowercase. Um, and I, I find that Slack is like a really good 
vehicle to because I think like the medium is is the message, you know, when you're talking with someone and having that like asynchronous like back and forth to, to someone. So if I had to sum up like my what I think of Slack as a product, I'm going to rate it, you know, pretty high. I'm going to call it a 4.6 um, out of out of five for me, just because it, it scratches all the the needs that I need for for communication, except for a few things w- within email. I would actually love to work for Slack, just because I understand that they don't use email at all. So I'm curious to just fully like engross myself into no email. So it would be really interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna give it a pretty similar score. I'm gonna give it a four point five. I think it's pretty much got a lot of the things I'm looking for in a communication tool. It is great for asynchronous. The way that they've split out communication via channels and threads and DM is like a really, really good organizational structure. I'm able to kind of segment my work and try to find exactly who I need to talk to at what times. What I used to feel like is really difficult with Slack is that getting people adopted and onboarded onto Slack was always kind of difficult. It's sort of all or nothing. And I think that's why I'm leaving about like a half point off. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have started a new thing called connections where you can bring people outside of your organization in. But at the same time, if people are sending you Slack messages and then also still texting you on the side, that's not the point of Slack. It's not consolidated. And that's kind of hard when you don't have people that are adhering to one platform, for sure. I think that what's great about Slack is that, one, they have this information repository, right? Slack becomes better over time. The more and more information that you put into Slack, it becomes more valuable, which is not the same as email. Um, When you join (laughs) an organization... Yeah, exactly. When you join an organization on the very first day, your inbox is probably empty or you might have like a couple emails from maybe HR or IT. But when you join Slack, you have the whole company's historical context at your fingertips. So you can go back and kind of look at, hey, what were some decisions that were made before I joined? Uh, Why are people doing things this way? How do I find some documents that relate to the problem that I'm trying to solve? All that stuff is at your fingertips, which is really, really awesome. Um, And you can get connected and find the people that you need instantly. So that's not the same with email. You kind of have to know where Mm -hmm. this thing is going to end up, who does what. You can't search through other people's inboxes. You don't know all the historical context. So it's not exactly the same. So I think that's where Slack becomes really, really powerful. And it's just a very big differentiator. I think a lot of people can't really go back to email uh, for sort of these like day-to-day asynchronous conversations anymore once they've tried a tool similar to Slack. So that's why I'm giving it a 4.5. I love it. Well, as I said before, once you go Slack, you will not oh, go God. back. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's my, my last joke for today because those are our thoughts on Slack and we would love to hear from you, our audience. So feel free to reach out with us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Prodex Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.